The Peasant War in the 1500s, led by Gregory Doza, who had been a former soldier and nobleman turned peasant. He and thousands he led rebelled against the nobles who oppressed them. Doza and his peasant army of 70 to 100,000 men overtook castles, monasteries, and some of the vast estates that belonged to the nobles. But the rebellion was eventually crushed by the crown, the nobles, and the Catholic Church. And when I say crushed, I do mean crushed. After the suppression, the ruling class reestablished their authority and dominance by making an example out of the rebels who rose up against them. Thousands were captured, tortured, and executed. A hot iron crown was placed on Doza's head, a burning hot scepter placed in his hand. He was literally roasted alive on a red-hot iron throne. He made the mistake of requesting that his brother be spared. So they stood his brother up in front of him and cut him into pieces. And then the remaining followers were brought out, who had been starved since their capture. And they cut roasted pieces of flesh off of Doza's leg while he was still alive, and ordered the men to eat it. The first couple refused and were immediately cut into pieces. So the others did not protest, ate the flesh, and were released in shame. To make sure the peasants got the message, they were all punished, even those who had done nothing wrong. You know the concept. A couple of kids misbehave and the whole class gets recess taken away. They let peer pressure do most of the work to keep the problem from happening again. The already heavy tax burden was increased, which was particularly cruel because they were almost impossible to pay to begin with and peasants were forced to work 50 days a year for free. They had to give the nobles a large part of the crops they grew regardless of crop failure or shortages. No excuses. If there wasn't enough left for them to feed their families, that was just too bad. They should have worked harder. Peasants weren't allowed to own weapons or land, and they weren't allowed to travel without permission from their landowners, except on Christmas Day. Worst of all, was that they were subject to the nobility to do with as they saw fit. The nobles didn't have to answer to anyone when it came to the peasants. The nobles were the law. Tell them where we got our coffee today. This morning I stopped... Well, this afternoon, really. I stopped at the coffee exchange in Asheboro on 42. The shop's there on 42. And they have sponsored us. Tell them what you have, Darlene. I have a sugar-free caramel pecan coffee. And it's nice and bold, and it feels very fallish. And I'm drinking also a sugar-free raspberry coffee. Not so much fall, but I chose it because I love raspberry. Mine's very smooth. And uh, definitely can taste the raspberry in it. Yeah, it's good. They have a pool table in there, and they're open until 7. Tim doesn't know it yet, but I'm telling him now. You're going to take me there on date night. (laughs) We're going to play pool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and the owners there, GP and Kelly, tell them that Darlene and Melody sent you over for some coffee. Go give them some support if you're local to us. 
Absolutely. There's a sign there behind their um, counter that pretty much sums up my theme of okay. life. May your coffee kick in before reality does. Oh, seriously. <laughs> so yeah, go go to the coffee exchange, get you some coffee this week. Okay, so I was a teenager. I was at my aunt's house babysitting my little cousin. He had this Guinness Book of World Records mm-hmm. that he had picked up from his book fair. And so I'm reading through it. And I came across the most prolific female murderer and the most prolific murderer in the Western world. Her name was Elizabeth Bathory, who practiced vampirism on (laughs) girls and young women. Oh, that's creepy. She is alleged to have killed more than 600 virgins in order to drink their blood and bathe in it. Oh, that's just weird. Yes, to preserve her youth. Well, she should have gone to Lakeside Integrative instead. She absolutely (laughs) should have went to see Tasha and Mandy. I think that was a better choice than vampirism. Are you experiencing any skin changes since we had our facial treatments? Yes. I had a place on my forehead Mm -hmm. that it was, it's a precancerous spot is what it is. And I know that because I've already had two of those removed, one from my nose and one from my chest. And it's, I've been picking at it for like six months thinking, I really need to go get that removed. Right. And I had forgotten about it. And just last week, I was putting my makeup on and I thought, oh, that spot is gone. Really? Yeah. And it, like I had totally forgotten until like I was just putting on the makeup. I'm like, oh, yeah, that place is gone. That is so cool. And they told us that those things would go away over some time. So that's really cool. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a picture. My photography skills are horrible, but I'm waiting until I go back for my next treatment so I can get a picture of the same lighting, the same place, all of the things. I'll try to circle that place on the before picture and and so you can see it, that it's gone. This weekend, my son, who's in the military, and my soon-to-be daughter-in-law came in, and she was like, oh, my goodness, your skin looks so bright. Oh. And she was just telling me how good it looked and, you know, puffed me up. <laughs> that's, that's nice when other people notice, though. Yeah, it really is. I'm really thankful. So, again, we had this work done over at Lakeside Integrative. We had the total skin package with radio frequency microneedling. That stimulates the growth of collagen and elastin to improve the basically the texture of your skin and kind of lifts it, buffs it, and builds volume. Mm-hmm. And then it also treats the layers of skin, like you were saying, from the dermis to the epidermis. Mm-hmm. And then it tightens the face and neck. I sent you the, those pictures you did, and like circle in those spots where on the side of my chin, I had some pretty I could tell wrinkles. that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And those have, you know, they, they've gone. It's basically like a non-surgical facelift. Mm-hmm. It's not evasive. There's no downtime. It's for all skin types and colors. I'm thrilled with it so far. Great. And I'm going back in a couple of weeks for my second treatment. And by the time this uh, recording comes out, you probably will already have gone back. Yes. Hopefully have more results to share. Yes. And I'll go for my second treatment in a couple more weeks. I go a week after you, I think. Okay. Yeah. Go see the ladies, Tasha and Mandy, Chelsea. At Lakeside Integrative. In High Point. Tell them we sent you. Yes. And I think they are running a special through the end of October, correct? They are. Yes. So give them a call. So don't let your kids listen to this episode. 
For starters. Very macabre. Yes. This story involves murder, torture, and really just everything pure evil. Goodness. I was thinking about what story I should cover this month, you know, with it being the month of Halloween. Mm -hmm. And I remembered that entry in that book. And so I just thought, you know what? I'll research the blood countess. Okay. And she may have made it into the Guinness Book of Records, but I have never heard of her. Okay. Well, she is supposedly the female Dracula, also from Transylvania, by the way. Good grief. And as I got into the research, untangling fact from fiction, because as you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fiction in these stories. And let me tell you, her story is a complicated one. Hmm. So... Elizabeth actually was pronounced in her day, Elizabeth. Oh, okay. Elizabeth Bathory. And she was born in 1560 in Royal Hungary. Her father was Baron George VI Bathory, a warlord of Transylvania. And her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory. Bathory was her maiden name as well. Okay, so... Were they related? Well, some people say that that's what drove her crazy, all this inbreeding. But then others say that they actually came from different Bathory clans. And this was the 1500s, like the Mm -hmm. Middle Ages. So it wouldn't probably be uncommon. Exactly. Her mother, Anna Bathory, she was the daughter of Stephen Bathory, who was also a warlord in Transylvania. She was also the niece of the King of Poland and the Grand Duke of Lithuania pretty important family. Yeah. She had several siblings, an older brother, Stephen Bathory, who served as a royal judge of Hungary. The Bathories were also rumored to be related to the 15th century Vlad the Impaler, the real Dracula. So Elizabeth's childhood home was like... Okay. I didn't know there was a real Dracula. Yeah. I thought all of that was pure well, fictional. Well, it was based off of this Him. guy who was real. Yeah, Vlad the Impaler. Okay. So Elizabeth's childhood home was a castle called Exed. And this was just one of many castles that her family owned. She was a sickly child who suffered from headaches and seizures, but she was insanely intelligent. No pun intended. <laughs> What do you do in a castle all day without video games and TV? Well, Elizabeth read lots of books. She became proficient in four languages. Well, that is why um, people were so much smarter back then. Yes. Because they didn't have TV and video games. Exactly. She was proficient in Latin, German, and Greek. Hungarian, because that's what the peasants spoke there. Mm -hmm. She was brilliant. She also studied science, history, and logic, and her favorite subjects were alchemy and learning about herbal medicines. Mm, I know where that alchemy's going. (laughs) (laughs) Her brothers were sent away to school for their education. That was common for boys. That's, you know, what they did. Elizabeth and her sisters learned from some tutors, but really they were mostly self-taught. I don't think it was a priority to educate your girls back then. They had access to everything, but it wasn't forced on them at all. They kind of got out of their education as much as they were willing to put into it. Okay. Elizabeth enjoyed learning. And so that made her a motivated, mostly self-taught scholar. Elizabeth would have grown up hearing stories from an early age about her powerful and influential family who were warriors, politicians, politicians friends with kings, 
prime ministers, religious leaders, and so on. To say that she grew up privileged is an understatement. Her family was so rich that they loaned money to the king. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. If that tells you anything. Not surprisingly, Elizabeth was an entitled brat at times who was known to throw a tantrum or two. But she did suffer from migraines and epilepsy. Being in a lot of physical pain could have caused her to act out, especially when the cure for those things were like getting the blood from a non-epileptic and putting it on your lips. Okay. (laughs) They had some weird superstitious practices. Just like all eras of history, bloodletting and leeching. It's very bizarre, but back then it was an accepted medical practice. So I think all eras have had those weird things, which begs the question, a hundred years from now, what are they going to look back on what we're doing? And those vaccines. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, some believe that Elizabeth was abused in her childhood, and that's maybe why she became so sadistic later on. And it's possible, but there's really no evidence that that was the case. Her parents weren't super hands-on or affectionate, but that just wasn't really a thing back then. Right. I think they cared about her as much as royals (laughs) cared about their kids back then. (laughs) But I'll tell you what was common, and that was violence and lots of it. As a young girl, Elizabeth would have been exposed to the torture and execution of criminals and the physical abuse of servants, which could have desensitized her mm-hmm. to the suffering of others, especially those who she felt were beneath her. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't have had to go far to find people who were beneath her. There's actually a record that Elizabeth as a child laughed when a man who'd committed a crime was sewn into the belly of a horse. What? They were very inventive wow. when it came to methods of execution. In Hungary, during Elizabeth's childhood, the majority of the population were peasants. However, nobles owned all of the vast estates and basically all the land there was to own in the whole country. The poor were treated horribly. And recently, the peasants of that area had revolted against the upper class nobles. But despite starting off strong, the rebellion was crushed. And thousands of peasants were brutally tortured, you know, to keep the peace. And then there was kind of this ever-present fear of another uprising. And to maintain power, the nobles, like Elizabeth's family, ruled with an iron fist. They used torture and murder to scare the peasants into submission. But they were forced to work as their servants because they needed to survive. Right. They And they really didn't have a choice. Elizabeth would have been taught from birth to believe that peasants were beneath her. Mm -hmm. It seems almost like all European nobles had that same school of thought. You know, Mary, Bloody Mary, and even her sister Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who was the good queen. Right, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they they called her good queen Bess. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a lot of brutality there. Nobles, they held unlimited power over peasants. When she was about 10 years old, Elizabeth was betrothed to Farrakh Nadasti, the son of Baron Tomas Nadasti and Ursula. Of course, this was a political arrangement made for her by her parents. Marrying for love did not start until about the 18th century. I used to joke with my girls that we were going to arrange a marriage for them. (laughs) 
We'll be back after a quick break. At the beginning of this year, one of my New Year's resolutions was to get my home decluttered and organized, especially my kitchen. Just going in there felt daunting. Even family meals were no longer enjoyable. I knew that I needed help because the thought of tackling it on my own was overwhelming. And then Melody told me about Shannon over at Functional Spaces. And let me tell you that meeting her transformed my kitchen from a cluttered mess to a cozy functional space that I once again can take pleasure in. Everyone has that one chaotic area in their home that requires excessive time and energy to manage. Many of us can identify more than one. For Darlene, that was just inside her kitchen door. Yes, everybody would come in and throw mail, keys, and coats all over the counters and chairs. I told Shannon this was such a source of stress for me. Why couldn't everybody just put their stuff away? And she explained that we could easily turn that area into a place of peace and productivity, a true functional space. We added a coat rack with key hooks and a small mail bin, and that has been a game changer. That's just one example of the difference she made. Functional Spaces is based in the Triangle and serves Central North Carolina. If you're ready to experience that same transformation, go to FunctionalSpacesNC.com and fill out the contact form. You will receive a link to schedule your discovery call to chat about your project area. Again, that's FunctionalSpacesNC.com. Tell her your friends at Hard Times and True Crime sent you. Ferenc became engaged to 10-year-old Elizabeth Bathory when he was 14. Both families were Protestant, and I think that was mostly politics. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they were actually sold-out Protestant. Right. And it it was kind of like the new trendy thing, too, a little bit. Okay. Because they had been so heavily Catholic. Yeah. It is interesting, though. Most peasants were Protestant. Most nobles were actually Catholic. Right. And that's actually like that's the 1500s. That was the dawning of the Reformation period. It was. Protestantism, (laughs) if I'm saying that correctly, that really was a new... They were uprising against the Catholic Church because there were some abuses and some abuse of power, abuse of finances, uh, all of that. Yes. And so she's born into this time frame, I guess. So at 11 years old, she had to leave home and move into one of the Nadasti's castles, one of the family castles in Western Hungary. And that was common at the time. It wasn't that him and her were getting to know each other or anything like that. She was brought there to receive a strict education by his mother, by his family in etiquette, Hmm. courtly behavior, and what would be expected of her as his wife. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This was a pretty common practice for Mm -hmm. girls and noble families. And then he was off learning to be a soldier. So they were not in the same castle. While Elizabeth was fluent in four languages and one of the most learned girls in Hungary at the time, Ferenc could barely read or write in his own (laughs) mother tongue. (laughs) His whole life had been about military training. I was going to say, he didn't have time for that. Not at all. Elizabeth's mother-in-law died shortly after her arrival. And so she was really young when she went there. And I would imagine that she was probably pretty lonely. I mean, they say that it wouldn't have necessarily been a fun time for her. 
Yeah, even at 11. She's a kid. But I have to say, I mean, these were some hardened people for sure. They were. They didn't have the softness that our children today have. Oh, my goodness. It was just a, such a totally different way of life. We can't really fathom it, honestly. No. It's rumored that when she was 13 years old, Elizabeth got pregnant hmm. by either a servant or a young lower class nobleman. Hmm. The story goes that Farrakh was furious when he found out. Elizabeth swore to the church that she had been kidnapped and raped. And Farrakh had her lover or rapist, whichever one it mm-hmm. was, castrated and his, you know, thrown to a pack of wild dogs Gracious. while he was still alive. And then he was thrown into the river. Okay. Well, you know what? If we return to that kind of thing today for rape, um, we'd probably have a lot less of that going on. True story. That's what we should do to pedophiles. Right. Right. (laughs) Elizabeth was then whisked away to give birth at another of their family's estates. After the baby was born, it was taken never to be seen again. And some reports say the baby was killed at Farrakh's orders. Oh, I bet it was. It's very possible it happened, but, you know, again, Elizabeth was far more wealthy than Farrakh's family, and her relatives were of greater influence, and so I can see how it might have been forgiven and swept under the rug. So she wasn't, you like, stoned I mean? to death or whatever for it? Right. Okay. Because, you know, if she had been lesser, she probably would have been. Mm-hmm. And he certainly probably wouldn't have married her. Right. She'd have been sent to a convent or something. Something, yeah. On May 8th in 1575, Farrick and Elizabeth married. She was absolutely gorgeous. She really was beautiful. There's a surviving portrait of her. I'll have to show you. I was going to ask, do you have one that you can put on the... Yes. Okay. She was 15 and Farrick was 19. The wedding was extravagant. There were 4,500 wedding guests. Wow. Imagine that caterer bill. (laughs) (laughs) To put it into perspective, the Holy Roman Emperor was a guest. Oh. Yeah. This is the it couple Mm -hmm. here. It was a three-day party, and in front of their guest, Farrakh presented his new bride with a wedding gift, the deed to his family castle. That came with 17 villages. Those were some rich teenagers. I can't even imagine. Since the death of her parents, Elizabeth was even wealthier. And so they owned land in Transylvania. They owned like all over, literally all over the place. So she had inherited. Yes. Was she an only child? I mean, I can't. No. I can't imagine. Okay. She I, was I can't imagine. She, she was, was actually one of five. Okay. But her and family was. They were filled. They were loaded. Yeah. It's so crazy in contrast to the peasants. Right. Who were starving. Literally starving to death. That's right. And the wealthy did not pay taxes. They extracted them from the peasants. From the peasants. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Anyway, Farrakh was away from home a lot in the beginning of their marriage, either preparing for war against the Turks or engaging in it. He was the chief commander of Hungarian troops. Elizabeth was a model wife, at least in public, as far as we know, and model noblewoman. She managed her husband's business affairs while he was away. And like I said before, she was extremely intelligent. She went to church. She gave money to the poor. She settled disputes for the villagers who were peasants and lesser nobility. 
She provided medical care for them. So while peasants were forced to work for nobles like Elizabeth and Ferenc, and while they had to, you know, pay these taxes, nobles were responsible for providing hospitals and churches and everything else. Does that make sense? Uh She even advocated for and intervened to help women who had been left destitute when their husbands had been killed in the war. She has some redeeming qualities, I guess. Yeah. She was a spoiled rich kid. Is she bipolar? <laughs> yeah, like it's it's something. Elizabeth also had to defend her husband's estates against attacks while he was away because his castle was on the road to Vienna. So there was always this fear and possibility of being attacked. But Elizabeth was more than up for the task and she saved his castle several times. She was also said to have practiced witchcraft that she learned from her aunt during this time. But it's hard to know for sure because a lot of women were accused of witchcraft who were actually just practicing herbal medicinery. Okay. I mean, seriously. It's so weird to me how those two practices became intertwined. But you even hear it like now with Appalachia. You know, it's like, no, they weren't witches. They were were using what they had. The land and the plants and stuff. Some of that just gets intertwined. But during the witch hunts in this 18th century, the practice of herbal medicinery came under scrutiny. And a lot of women were burned at the stakes as witches who were not witches at all. Right. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. they, yeah. Meanwhile, Ferenc was so vicious in battle that he was nicknamed the Black Knight of Hungary. And later, along with four others, would be known as the Unholy Quintet. They made the Ottoman Turks' blood run cold. And that's saying something because the Turks were known Mm -hmm. to be vicious in their own right. Yes, they were. He would do things like dance with their headless bodies, play catch or kickball with the heads of prisoners. Sometimes he'd have them impaled on stakes to die this agonizingly slow death that could last for days. Wow, I can't even. I know. Ferenc only saw his wife occasionally when there was a lull in fighting, and that would have been a, probably a really stressful time for Elizabeth. There were lots of preparations for food, accommodations for soldiers that he brought home with him, and expectations to be met for her husband. But I do think she was submissive to him. Which, I don't know, did they even have a choice about that back then? I don't think so. Okay. No. Her main responsibility as the wife of a nobleman would have been to have children, Mm -hmm. of course. But for 10 years, the couple was childless. Oh, maybe he wasn't ever home to... Some people say he was homosexual or she was or this or that. But I just think, you know, life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then in 1585, their daughter Anna was born. And the couple would go on to have four daughters and one son. It's rumored that she used a fertility spell to get pregnant, but did she? Or was she just trying an herbal remedy? Right. <laughs> that I mean, she thought would help to, with fertility. I mean, even today, we do that kind of stuff. We take, you know, stuff to go into labor, like, what's it called? Evening Primrose? Yeah, I think that is what it is. To help I did start bla- labor. I did black cohosh. Yes, to start labor. And there are things that we do to try to make ourselves, you know, more fertile and right. timing, and all of that stuff. That's not really unusual, even for no. us. So that's not witchcraft. But I mean, obviously, back then it was seen as witchcraft. Yeah. And I don't know if it was then or if that came 
like in the mm-hmm. next century. I, I'm not 100% sure. But can anyway. You, can you imagine what they would think of essential oils today? Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> Her children were taken care of by governesses, just like she had been. But she did seem to care about him. Surviving letters between her and her husband show that that she had a maternal instinct. She worried about them when they were sick and that sort of thing. And while she was happy about the birth of her child, that year that her daughter was born, something shifted in her. I don't know if it was stress or whatever, but Elizabeth would go off on her servants over the most minuscule things. Well, maybe it was postpartum. It didn't end like ever. It didn't. Oh, it just never went back to the... It only escalated. Okay. So I don't know. It could have been the beginning of a mental illness. Right. It could have been. Because sometimes uh, childbirth will bring on a mental illness. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, like the mental illness, I guess, has been there. Right. I don't know if this... These are not... um, scientific or medical terms but like it's been there dormant right and then childbirth can actually bring it out all of a sudden yeah i I know people that that's happened to and that is a is a very real possibility with her something mm-hmm. was going on she would punch or kick them who wait the kids yeah. or the servants no the servants okay she wasn't physically abusive with her kids at all okay and not that i mean that it's okay that she yeah. did that to the servants but no point, yeah okay. i know what you're saying and, you know, she may have done some of this to a lesser extent before, mm-hmm. because I don't think they were especially kind, like I said before, to their servants. But this was it was a lot. Then there was this young servant girl the same year that her daughter was born, mm-hmm. who suddenly died in the night. Elizabeth called the local pastor to come and get her body. When he got there, he was surprised because she was already in a casket instead of laid out on the bed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, was normal. But Elizabeth told him, you know, she didn't want to cause a panic. They went ahead and put her in a casket because the girl had died of cholera. That wasn't especially uncommon. And I was going to say, well, that sounds legit. Yeah. For young, poor girls to die. I mean, that sounds crazy to us because, you know, she was young. But back then, that oh, yeah. was not out of the norm at all. But then soon after that, the pastor was called back to pick up an especially large coffin with three dead girls inside. Okay. That she had tried to pass off as just one. Oh, this is getting weird. Yeah. So when Ferrant came home, he noticed her slapping a female servant here and there. And apparently it kind of amused him. Which is weird. Yeah, these people are something else. And so he started showing her these various means of torture. Ooh. Yeah, to teach idle servants to work harder. Mm. Things like putting pieces of paper soaked in oil between their toes and lighting them on fire. (gasps) Oh, my. To watch them kick and scream. (gasps) That's horrible. Mm -hmm. One time he brought her a gift and it was a glove, like a claw, that would tear and stab and cut the victims. Good night. Another time he took a young girl who'd committed some minor offense, like, I don't know, dropping a teacup or something. And he stripped her naked, put honey all over her body and put her outside for the ants (gasps) and bees to sting her almost to death. That is horrible. Oh, my gracious. Can you imagine the fear that those servants lived in of just slipping up and making a tiny mistake? There was no laws to protect them. Wow. 
Another time, they stripped a young girl, poured water all over her, and put her outside in sub-freezing temperatures, Mm. watching the the water harden Mm -hmm. until she almost froze to death. It was horrendous. They literally bonded over this uh, over torture. yeah these torture methods wow while her husband was away elizabeth had been practicing on these young female servants to the point of killing them and is that is that why the servants the ones that she had already called about being dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and soon there was a steady stream of dead girls coming from the palace at first, it you know like i had said before it just didn't seem like a big deal even if it was a few servant girls These epidemics, they break out, things happen. And so it wasn't that suspicious. But by the time of the investigation later on in 1610, the pastor would testify that he knew of 175 girls and women that had died at her castle. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's just unfathomable. Tales of torture were getting out. When Pastor Michael Zonorak tried to kind of covertly see what was going on, he couldn't because one side of the castle was impossible to get to. It was like under this heavy guard. Mm -hmm. Finally, a Lutheran minister had the courage to speak out against her from the pulpit. I bet his life was endangered after that. Oh, it was because she was the law. Mm hmm. He asked that he be allowed to exhume some of the bodies and that if she were innocent, that would clear her name. And the countess didn't deny anything, but instead was furious. Permission was denied. Mm. And she wrote a letter to her husband demanding that he take care of that pastor. Mm -hmm. Ferenc was loaning money to the king. He was paying his soldier salaries Mm -hmm. for the king. So... The crown was really in debt to them. All of this is just so political. Yes. Who was really going to come after him? Nobody. Who was going to complain to anybody? Except for these men who feared God. Mm-hmm. Who had, really... that, that had the courage to stand up. Yeah. And they were literally the only ones. And I'm sure it did not end well for them. Well, actually, Farron came home and just tried to smooth everything over with them. He would donate large amounts of money to... The church. He threw his money around. They were just peasant girls. So they didn't have as much value to their lives as the royals. Because of what Curtis talked about in the beginning, after that revolt, they lost. They just, they were totally subject to nobility. Right. But actually, even Ferenc was kind of horrified by some of the rumors that he was hearing. Mm. Yeah, he was paying off authorities to try to keep the gossip quiet in the village. He did believe in the brutal punishment of servants, as most nobility did in the time, who were lazy or clumsy. But he didn't necessarily agree with murdering them. He wasn't a stand-up guy. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, I mean, even he had his limits. Yeah. And it sounds like he was trying to do some damage control. Yeah. He was furious with her behind closed doors for making them look bad. Mm-hmm. So he would tell her, like, no, you stop. Can't do this anymore. You can't murder people. This woman named Anna Darvolia, who was a Croatian woman, became one of Ersabet Elizabeth's. She was her servant and got really, really close with her. She even began to make courtly appearances with her. Locals would describe Anna as a wild beast in female form. 
who was also Elizabeth's advisor. Together, they tortured girls. You might want to fast forward this next part. Okay, it's going to be pretty graphic. They did things like drive needles under their fingernails. (sighs) They cut their noses. Mm. They whipped them until they bled and sometimes died. Wow. They would bite their shoulders and breast. What in the world? They sewed their mouth shut. What in the world? Yeah. And thanks to the count, they also now knew how to strangle these young girls using the Turkish method. Wow. Brutality. It was sadistic. Very. Not surprisingly, the local villagers or peasants started hiding their daughters. I'm sure they were terrified. Yeah. They knew that if she were taken to work in the castle, she was unlikely to ever return. And if she did, she would have the literal scars to prove it. Mm. Believe it or not, Elizabeth and Anna regularly attended church. Oh, my goodness. There are actually existing letters between clergymen. They wanted to excommunicate Anna. They probably really wanted to excommunicate Elizabeth as well, but were afraid to. Mm -hmm. Then after 29 years of marriage, the count passed away on January 4th in 1604. And whatever restraint he had on Elizabeth was gone. You mean it gets worse than what she's already doing? She spiraled. Oh, my God. After his death to the point that she could no longer find any peasant girls to work for her because they were either all dead or hidden. I was going to say every one of them was probably hiding out. Good gracious. And it seems like under times of stress, her violence escalated. Well, you know, we talked about after she had her daughter, Mm -hmm. how she just became more physically violent. And then after her husband's death. She had never before had any financial issues, but, you know, the king owed her all this money. Mm -hmm. So she was writing him like, hey, my money, I need my money. And he was like, we're at war. I can't pay you back your money. Yeah. It was kind of like they really didn't have to. They're taking advantage of her, I think, in Mm -hmm. her situation right before her husband died. He had gone to a really good friend of his named George Thurzo and told him, I need you to swear to protect my wife and my children. He knew that what he had was valuable. Mm -hmm. And so George Thurzo agreed to do this. And he was really close with the king. Like he had a lot of power. Well, I don't really feel any pity. No, I (laughs) I don't either. And again, she was filthy rich still. Mm hmm. We were talking about mental illness, but this mm-hmm. seems kind of next level to that. Like just, again, that whole sliding into pure evil. A lot of people are like, oh, it's because she was abused when she was younger. Oh, it's because of the violence that she saw as a kid. Oh, it's because her husband was mean to her. It's, it's because of him. But I don't think I don't know that it was any of those things. You still have to have it in you to do something so barbaric and sadistic that you like what is in you that would allow you to be okay with that. Right. And I think it goes back to seeing people as subhuman. Yes. So Elizabeth, she had spiraled after her husband's death to the point that she could no longer find peasant girls to work for her because they were all dead or being hit out by their family, literally like in cellars digging out places in the ground. I mean, they were terrified of her. So Elizabeth and Anna hatched a plan to open up a finishing school 
for the daughters of nobles. Oh, goodness. Although some nobles had probably heard rumors about Elizabeth, they assumed this was coming from the peasants who were just mad because they were peasants. Yeah. They did not believe it. This is Elizabeth Bathory, the countess. She was incredible. She was educated and capable. And it was an honor for them to send their daughters to be educated by her. Mm. And so in the winter of 1609, Countess Erzabet opened the Academy of Etiquette. She made a pretty penny off of the admission. And it wasn't long before noble families started not being able to get in touch with their daughters. That is so scary. They were either missing or had died under certain mysterious circumstances. In a couple of cases, in one, an uncle was going by there and he was like, oh, I want to see my niece. And so he stopped by the castle and was like, can I see my niece? And she was like, no, you cannot. Man. And he was like... I mean, and I'm, please, that ma'am. had to have raised some red flags. It did, but you have to understand her position. Mm-hmm. Finally, they did bring her out, and she was so emaciated and had marks all over. She ended up dying. Oh, my gracious. That's awful. Yeah, and he didn't take her with them. That happened like two or three times because of the power that she held. She was just like, no. I mean, if you want your head, you're mm. not taking her with you. This is their daughters that they paid to send there. And and they're nobles, too. Yes, but they're lesser nobles. Oh, wow. It's just Yeah, yeah. Those are some weird circumstances. Where she had been careful before, she was getting sloppy. One servant girl escaped with a knife still in her foot. Man. Girls could be seen from windows hanging by their hair from the iron lattice. Hmm. But and, and people are seeing this, but they're not. I mean, they're scared. It's gotten so far she's out of their, hand. She's over them. Who right. do they go to? Man. It goes into some of the torture that these girls were facing. And like some of it, I just can't even, I just I, can't even bring myself. And to. see, I can't even imagine how much worse it can be. It was bad. Wow. I'll say some of it without saying the rest of it, but they were flogged, held in chains. Their arms and abdomens were scorched with burning irons. And what is her reasoning behind this now? Just to just to inflict torture because she just enjoys this. At this point, definitely. I mean, we're, we're past the point of disciplining yeah, servants. Exactly. I mean, she's opened the school. These clearly are not servants. These are not servants. So she opened the school with the pure intention of torturing people. Some of these were her relatives, Good mind night. you. Chunks of skin were taken from their backs with pliers, their noses, <gasps> lips, tongues, and fingers mm. pierced with needles. Like I said, their mouths sewn shut mm. or forced shut with clamps. This does make me wonder, like, maybe she really was a witch. Because, like, how I, yeah. could you have that kind of... Oh, yeah. I'm not saying she wasn't, for sure. I'm, I'm just saying that that's not always the case. Right, right. In fact, stuff happens that I think she is. Okay. Parts of their bodies taken, cooked, and served to them. Mm. So I'm um, just so, crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't even want to. I'm not going to okay. go into any more. It's too much. So obviously, there is a spiritual realm. There is some sp- huge spiritual darkness going on. Yes, one hundred percent. Well, let's just put it like this: in just a few weeks, the entire school had been wiped out. 
Wow. At first, she said that it was cholera. But then she said, oh, well, it was one of the girls. She had gone crazy and killed all of them and then committed suicide. Hmm. All right. I'm, and I'm going to back up for a minute. Okay. Obviously, things cranked up a lot when she got up with that other woman. Yes. Like they're feeding off of each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have you recently heard of the two women who were arrested? One of them was a blogger, the Frankies. Yes. And oh, my then gosh. She got up with her therapist yes and now they're inflicting this abuse on those kids which is horrible when you're talking about those two that kind of popped in my brain like that sounds like the frankie lady obviously on a much higher scale but but no i know what you're saying because this these are her own children that the frankie lady yeah that she's like tying up and starving and and you think how in the world but i do think that that feeds off of each other And it wasn't just those two. This was so scary. There was actually a dwarf that she had working for her. He would be the one to go out and get the girls, the servant girls for her. I was Mm. thinking, how scary would it be to see that little guy? Oh, like, uh, then stuff of nightmares. Yes. Then there was the nanny that had nursed her children and taken care of her children, helped and participated. And then... The nanny got other people from her department to help. And at this point, you're probably thinking, I'm either going to have to help or I'm going to die, too. Yeah. And there was one lady who it was proven she didn't really want to help. Then she was abused herself. And she did. Yeah. I just have to know who's going to stop her. Well, let's keep going. This time she had kind of gone too far because these weren't the daughters of peasants. They were the daughters of Hungarian nobles. By February, complaints had reached the king and George Thurzo, who was her sworn protector. Okay. This makes things really interesting. But these rumors were hard to ignore, and some of the most damning allegations had come from an elderly local priest, Andreas Barthoni, who was understandably troubled over the amount of requests coming from the countess to bury bodies thankfully he had kept a detailed record of the bodies and their conditions that he ended up passing on to the king smart on his part it really was he had actually tried to question elizabeth about the cause of deaths but she threatened and intimidated him and he was really old in his 90s that's when he started keeping records one night he said that he buried nine virgins Mm. And most of these girls were said to be virgins. So I kind of do think there was some, I don't know. Well, that does sound like a spiritual, uh, sacrificial thing. It does. Some people say that this did not actually happen, that they just wanted her land. And this was all kind of a conspiracy. But there were 300 witnesses. Yeah. Some testimony was gotten under torture, but that was the way things were back then. It was still all done legally. In fact, I think they were more than fair to her. That guy, he had the the wherewithal to take notes. Yeah. Like, it, one person is all it takes and to, it was, to it, think about it and to do something. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't just him. Actually, the pastor who wanted to deny them communion and wanted to have the Anne lady excommunicated. That pastor came forth. He refused to, he was not, he said he was not burying any more dead from the Countess Castle. And she threatened him and really tried to bully him. But he feared God more More than than he feared her. And he was like, you know, I'm not doing this. 
Then a younger priest took over. So remember the priest that I said that was in his 90s? Mm-hmm. Of course, he had somebody come after him. Well, he decided to explore this underground tunnel that connected her castle to the church. And to his horror, he found nine freshly mutilated bodies of females. Oh, man. Well, he immediately tried to send out a letter to Andreas Bartholoni. He didn't know what to do, but it was intercepted by her. He was like, they're going to kill me. Mm -hmm. He was going to try to secretly escape the village, but her staff went after him. After they threatened him, they allowed him to go back to the church. This was her village and she was running. Things. She ran things, but he was able to later sneak out a letter that got to the king. Okay, finally. Now, this time, you know, her husband wasn't there to protect her. She was on her own and the king was disgusted okay, when he finally. heard about this stuff. He ordered George Thurzo to thoroughly investigate this situation. And this would have been difficult for Thurzo, who had sworn this oath to mm-hmm. his best friend, Count Farrick, because oaths, they were a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. But he also knew that what she was doing was wrong. I really do think he was conflicted in a weird way. But also, he had to appease the king. Yeah, he's under orders at this point. Exactly. His plan was to kind of let it all die down, and he was going to quietly take her away to a convent. And let her live the rest of her life there. And he just hoped the whole thing would go away. He did not want to ruin his friend's reputation. Mm -hmm. He had done a lot for the kingdom. And that was important to him. Yeah. But the king also kind of had a personal interest in securing her conviction. Because if she was convicted, his debt was canceled. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And her land would probably go to the crown. Thorzo was in a tough spot. Yeah, for sure. For a little while, things seemed to die down until January 6th in 1610, when Elizabeth's daughter was getting married. There was this big ceremony and the wedding was going to be held at her castle. She had planned this lavish wedding. And during that celebration, two servant girls were tortured and burned during the event. During the ceremony? You know, they lasted for days. And it's actually said that her daughter participated, the one that was getting married, in this. Before she was really smart, she even kept a lot of this from people that worked for her. Mm -hmm. There were a few that knew about it. Nobody was allowed to go to that certain Mm -hmm. part of the palace. But now she was just brazen. And it's almost like she can't help herself. That's exactly what it's like. So now like these servants and townspeople are aware of these deaths and the whisking away of the bodies. A member of clergy at Castellani, where the bodies were taken, as well as two grave diggers, testified under oath later that the bodies were mutilated, burned, and that their faces were disfigured. Mm, This is just so macabre. The first legal action was taken in February of 16 and 10. George Thurzo wrote letters to two men ordering them to open this investigation. So this is the one who was sworn to protect her. Mm -hmm. He wrote, you know how both in the past and present time, several serious complaints have come to us regarding the noble Lady Erzabet Bathory, namely that she through some sort of evil spirit has set aside her reverence for God and man 
and has killed in cruel and various ways many girls and virgins and other women who lived in her gynesium. Well, that's a mouthful. It is. Thurzo then ordered the men to question every member of the state, as well as nobility and other honorable people of all classes, male, female. He, he wanted a thorough investigation, and he said that if anyone lied, you know, there was going to be a heavy penalty, but everybody was kind of scared. Sure they she were. She was still there. Yeah. Like, um, they weren't taking her anywhere. They were terrified of her. Sure. So nobody really wanted to say anything when they, they, put they were leaving the and they were going to still be there with her. Mm-mm. And if they ended up dead, oh, well, you right. know, that's just kind of the way it was. Meanwhile, Elizabeth continued to murder girls. This is just beyond crazy. It, I mean, I guess it was getting harder and harder to find ways to dispose of all the bodies. One of the servants later testified that five bodies were tossed into a pit. Two were put into the water canal in the garden. Two were brought at night to be buried in the church. Remains were, were they were stacked under beds, against walls, put into storage areas. The household staff actually dropped four dead girls over the wall of the castle, hoping that the wolves would Mm. come and get the bodies. But instead, villagers saw them throw the bodies over and they reported what they had seen to authorities. Wow. On Christmas Eve, the local pastors went to the castle. Remember all those clergymen that we had talked about who were standing up against her? Mm -hmm. Well, and this was including the elderly Nicholas Baroni. They all went and were pleading with her to repent. Okay. Thurzo also showed up on Christmas Eve, this time with the king. Before their arrival, she went to the forest and consulted a Slavic witch. Mm-hmm. Her name was Urzai Majorva. She asked for a spell that would make her attackers lose interest in her and go away. Well, she got what she asked for because on Christmas Eve, she prepared a special cake for the men. The dough was made from her dirty bath water, creek water, and other special ingredients. They all became violently ill after eating it and believed she was trying to poison them. Yeah, that's what I would be thinking. And they immediately. I'm I'm, I'm still trying to take that in. Made from her dirty bath water. Yes. I want to Ugh. They were ticked. Oh, uh. they were the king. Can you imagine? A lot of people say they actually don't really think that she meant to poison them because she would have been too afraid to do that. She was actually just really trying to, trying cast to a spell. kind of do a, trying to cast a spell. Well, it worked. Yeah, it made them go away. But there is like I'm sitting here thinking, OK, she you know, they say that people back then were not really hygienic. Right. And they didn't know about germs like we do. Exactly. So she probably had no idea what was floating around in her, in her dirty bath, bath water. water. And they didn't bathe like we No. Like, like we sometimes do. I read that like during Henry VIII's time, like they only bathe like once a year. Yeah. And this was very close to Henry VIII's time. Right. So, so I'm like, can you imagine? And like she might have had, who knows? Exactly. Ugh. Ugh. So now not only were they livid about this other stuff, they were convinced she had tried to murder them. Yeah. On December 29th in 1610, Elizabeth was arrested. It's about time. (laughs) So before she had always known 
that they were going to come and they were going to search the castle or that they were coming to talk with her. Even when the clergyman came that night and the king and Thurzo had come, she knew they were coming. She always had a little heads up ahead of time. Yes. Well, this night they just came. Mm-hmm. Surprise. It was a surprise visit. Within a few hours, they found the bodies of dead and dying girls. These girls had suffered all kinds of torture. I cannot even imagine how much they had been. They had been beaten, flogged, burned, and stabbed. Some were outside. Yeah, just like laying laying about. Um, Thurzo arrived. They went down into the dungeon and just searching for bodies and immediately found what they had been looking for. The countess just stood there. Like, kind of watching. I mean, what was she going to say at this point? Yeah. Jigs up. Right. Well, you would think. Oh, are you are you telling me it's not? She just protested her innocence until the very end. But anyway, she was taken away. They found a girl who had been tortured, but she was still alive. And so they were able to actually question her. Mm. They asked her, you know, who cut you? And the woman said that Caitlin, Catalan cut me with pliers, which that's her daughter. Mm. And then she told him that Erisabeth had hit and beat her with her hand. The victim was later taken and treated by a doctor, and she ended up making a full recovery. The countess returned to her manor house. They let her go? Well, I mean, they were all there, though. They were still actually searching through the night, trying to figure out, like, what all is there. They're cleaning out the castle. She declared her innocence. So... She had four servants who were also taken into custody. Now, the one lady that I had told you about, mm-hmm. the Anna, she died. Okay. When did she die? She died about four months prior to this. But of course, she was blamed. Yeah. She's just like, oh, I'll throw it all off on her yeah. because she can't really sit here and blame me. Exactly. But there were three other women. They were held overnight with her. And then they were taken the next morning for their proceedings. They were blaming each other. They were blaming Anna. Under torture, they told also about Elizabeth. The king wanted her to have a trial, and he wanted her really to pay with her life. He just felt like that was the fair thing to do. But Thorzo did not because, and and a lot of other nobles did not. What? Because they felt like if it could happen to her, it could happen to them. So really, it's just kind of like self-preservation on their own part. Yes. But I'm just like, anything less than her paying with her life is just not good enough. Yeah. Elizabeth, she was writing letters to her relatives. Get me out of here. I'm innocent. And George Thorzo would come and like kind of try to be nice to her. And she was just vicious with him. Well, finally, he had enough of her. And he was like, you are like a wild animal. (laughs) You are in the last months of your life. You do not deserve to breathe the air on earth and see the light of the Lord. You shall disappear from this world and shall never reappear in it again. As the shadows envelope you, may you find time to repent your bestial life. I hereby condemn you to a lifelong imprisonment in your own castle. Wait, wait, wait. No, he didn't give her death. But this is not the king, mind you. This is Thorzo. The king was ticked. She killed more than 300 virgins and women of both noble and lower birth. She was evil. Like, she needs to die. 
Yeah. She like, needs to die. If anything less is not going to be good enough. He wanted a trial for her. The king was horrified and surprised because as much as he wanted Elizabeth to pay, he really couldn't risk it because he realized that there were so many other people who were kind of complicit in this that knew what was going on, other nobles. And you have to remember, they're paying him. They're paying his bills. It's all political. It's all political. And you better believe it goes on today. Oh, absolutely. All that political maneuvering to cover stuff up, covering up horrible crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say again, this is not what the king wanted. He really Mm -hmm. wanted her head. But he finally was like, okay, fine. But I want her locked up in that castle. And I don't want to hear her name ever again. Like he wanted her name wiped from history. He was just so over this. And so... Stonemasons yeah. came yeah. to the castle because he was not playing with her. This was not gonna, she wasn't going to have free reign of that castle. They do brick up her doors. Yep. They bricked her in. She had a tiny little passage where she could get some food, writing supplies, and where she could pass her excrement. Okay. And that was it. That was it. She didn't have any changes of clothes. She was in this tiny, like, bricked-up apartment for three years. Yeah, it just just doesn't sound bad, though. No, no, not in comparison, not at all. How old was she? She died at 54, and she was locked up for three years, so she would have been 51 when she went into confinement. But, get this, her servants, the one that proved that she actually had been abused as well she got life imprisonment but later they let her out the boy some sources call him a boy and others say he's a dwarf the boy that helped her oh the boy that helped her yeah he was beheaded so the people who helped her met a worse fate than she herself did yeah so lana joe and dorado sentez they had their fingers torn off with red hot pinchers Mm. And then they were burned alive. Well, they deserved that. But so did she. Yeah, I'm I'm so mad right now that she has just gotten away with solitary. That's nothing. Yeah. After she died, they buried her in the churchyard. But the people were like, no, we do not want her here. You know, mm-hmm. of course they didn't. And so she was moved, but... She just didn't deserve to have any of that. No. So what do you think it was? I honestly think that that kind of evil is just pure spiritual darkness. Yeah. I mean, I guess all evil is spiritual darkness, but sometimes, you know, people say the devil made me do it. But sometimes sometimes we just do it because we're sinful and we want to do something, right? Right. But I think that level of evilness, Mm -hmm. there has to be a spiritual element. I think it was demonic. Yeah, it was demonic in nature. Yeah, whatever she was doing, whether it was witchcraft or whatever, whatever to derive that kind of pleasure and to do that kind of horrible evil to people. Mm-hmm. There's something else going on there. There's some yeah. kind of demonic forces at work. Yeah, that's what I believe. To me, there's yeah. nothing in her life that I'm like, oh, that's why she did it. Yeah, no, 
there's no amount of anything. There are no amount of excuses that can that can give any kind of reasoning to that. No, she was a sadist serial killer mm-hmm. who enjoyed inflicting pain mm-hmm. on people. She obviously got pleasure out of it. Let me go back to this. I don't think she bathed in the blood of virgins, but who cares? I mean, my gosh. Right. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they suffered worse almost. That would have been a really horrible time to be alive. Yes. The crazy thing is, is if she had not started killing those nobles, she would have probably never faced any consequences. She would have likely gotten away with and kept doing it. Yeah. Those sure were some hard times. Yes, they were. Wow. And if you want a guarantee to never be roasted alive and fed to your friends or have your bodily fluids used as aromatherapy in somebody's bubble bath, you make sure you download every episode of Hard Times and True Crimes. And when you get done listening to them, you leave a review and a rating, and then tell everybody you know, and a few people you don't, to check us out. Till next time, goodbye.